Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Ville Church, good morning. I told Ann we can't be saying, oh yeah, we got a howl. You know, we only do howls up in here. Y'all mind howling real quick for me this morning? One, two, three. Howl! Boy, we're corny, but it's all good. It's all good. It's who we are. Everybody doing all right this morning? Y'all good? I know y'all going to get mad at me real quick, but can we scoot up on this side? Can we scoot up a little bit? I know y'all hate when I do this. Come on, Bree. I know you am, you anxious to come to the front, but be careful. Just scoot up a little bit. Next week, we're going to try something a little different or whatever. We're going to bring down the podium or whatever, because I always feel like I'm just too far away from y'all, but we'll, we'll do that next week. All right. This morning, we are in James 3, 13 through 18. So if you have your Bible with you, you can go there. If you don't have your Bible with you, go there on your phone. All right. Let me read this to you. So it says, uh, who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, so that's our text for today. We're going to be talking about wisdom, right? James is actually talking to a bunch of scattered believers in this letter. He is operating as a teacher, and he is talking to people who are believers, right? Hence the posture of the way he's teaching. If you notice, as we've been throughout the book of James, um, James is speaking from this angle where he's like, he's teaching his people. He's like, this is what is right. This is what is wrong. And he has this thing that he does, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, but he always points people back to Jesus. He always points them back to Jesus. He's, if, you, if you miss it, you'll, you'll spend all your time thinking about just the work and doing what he's saying do, but he also gives this prescription where he's sending them back to the cross of Jesus, right? To be empowered to do good works, right? So I want you to just think about this. Think about him talking to a crowd, and he hits them with this question. Who is wise and understanding among you? I'm hitting that question to you right now. I want you to actually think about it and ponder it. Like, I don't want you to stand up. But in your mind, some of you, like, if I be like, yo, who's wise? Who's wise out here? Who, who out here got it all together? Who knows what's, what's coming and going, what's really real? In your mind, you might be like, I'm pretty sharp, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. Caught Bitcoin kind of early, whatever. Got my money right. <laughs> my friends missed it. You might go start going through all these things to start trying to actually quantify what wisdom is. And he's actually doing this on purpose, right? You can tell by the flow of the text. He throws the question out to throw them into this place where he wants them to think through the intricate parts of, well, that, what is wisdom? What is it? Do I have it? 
And then this next part of this, this verse 13, he says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. You know, when you raise a child, if you're a parent and you have any children that are like teenagers, it's really, really hard, right? And one of the reasons it's hard is because if you were a teenager, do you remember when you got to a certain age and you got kind of smart? You know what I'm saying? You felt like you knew a little something. You didn't care what your parents were saying. You're kind of like, I feel you did a good job with me, whatever. I got this from here, right? So I'm at that age where my kids are getting older or whatever. And, you know, I grieve thinking about my mom. Fellas, hit the clock for me in the back. I grieve thinking about my mother. Oh, we don't got no clock. All right, so y'all got to throw gang signs or something in the back. Let me know what time it is, all right? When I, get to, when I get to 20 minutes, let me know, all right? Anyway, so um, I grieve for my mom because I most definitely did that. I was like, yo, I got this. Mom, I understand, you know what I'm saying? I've been out here a little bit. You don't know where I've been at, you know? We used to have all these arguments and stuff, and now as a parent, it grieves me because I'm looking at my kids make moves sometimes, and I'm like, yo, don't do that one, whatever. Like, I told you this, but they're like, I'm going to go crash into this brick wall myself. And you know it could be costly, it could be dangerous. And so like now I understand my mom's torture of having to like sit and wait while I made all these crazy decisions, right? But it's our flesh, it's who we are, it's what we do. Outside of Christ, we're gonna always lean into our own way, right? It's just what we do. I got my little baby over here, Jax or whatever she's eating, so don't, we, we, I ain't gonna be able to do it. But like if I was to be like, hey Jax, she'd look up at me and be like, smile or whatever, you know what I mean? She would smile, she would see me and she would smile. But the thing about Jack, she's just a little baby. She's like seven, eight months old. I don't know how old she is anymore. It's too many. But she's the smallest one, right? Think about it, though. When it's time to eat, I'm like, hey, baby, whatever. And she just like, she'll just mush me in my face like, yo, get on my face, yo. And she just looks at mommy. She don't even talk to me. You know where I'm coming from? She even has, like, she's gotten to the age now, like, she'll scratch her brother, like, like, cross my face like, yo, get out of here. I'm trying to eat right now. She has this ambition that she tramples over me with. Like, she don't care nothing about daddy in that moment. It's like, I'm trying to eat right now. That's what we're like. That's who we are. In our flesh, that's who we are. We have this selfish, ugly ambition that to us is wisdom. If we were to quantify it, we'd be like, it's wisdom. You know what I'm saying? We would think we're wise in our ways, but we don't see ourselves, right? We don't see ourselves. Outside of salvation and the Holy Spirit is true for Jax as it is with us all. We will not touch what this text that we're about to read is going to call wisdom that comes from above outside of Christ Jesus, right? So he says, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. If you want to look at good conduct, I'm not going to pinpoint on that too much or whatever, but if you go into Ephesians 4.31, for those of y'all take notes or whatever, Ephesians 4.31 throughout that chapter actually hits Christian conduct really, really well. But like when we look at this word, this word, he says, in the meekness of wisdom, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of uh, of wisdom. So he asked the question, who is wise among you? And he's like, oh, okay, word, okay, you think that you're that person? Show us your works in the meekness of wisdom. The word meek is really, really important here because meek by definition means this, enduring injury with patience and without resentment, mal, humble, submissive quality. So he's wrapped up wisdom that it actually has this posture of meekness. 
So in the Bible, when Jesus says, he tells us to be foot washers, you've heard me use that term from the stage before, nobody likes to be called a foot washer, right? We want to be called a boss. Y'all feel me like that? We respect in this culture or whatever, if you are a boss and you are loud and you seem to have knowledge and you're overbearing and you're like, yo, listen, you know, I'm about getting it, getting it done, we give you credibility as a leader, as somebody who can just move things, make them happen and everything else, and it really appeals to our selfish ambition. We're not willing to slow down and have patience and be a foot washer, but James here is quantifying meekness, I mean wisdom, in the spirit of meekness. Y'all with me so far? Sounds like cute words, but it'll injure your flesh a little bit, right? He's talking about meekness, foot washers. He's telling them, okay, well, if you're that wise person, let's see what it actually looks like. Let's actually weigh it really quick or whatever and see what that actually is. He's doing what we see in Matthew, right? In Matthew 7. Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their, fir- by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or, or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a d- diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Like, so I know this text goes to a a very extreme scenario, but he's saying, what's the fruit like, right? He's saying, what is the fruit like? Like, and he's telling them, he's going to take us into this thing where he's, he's really going to lay, like, this is extremely important to James, because you have to understand what he's watching happening in the church is he's happening all kind of other false wisdoms, lies that are not gospel-centered, that are not truth, they're beginning to make moves inside of the body of Christ. You get where I'm coming from? The people are scattered about, and so they're involved in all type of different cultures, and it's just becoming normal that these other truths are becoming fact, but they're really not truths. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have that in our culture, right? So he's saying by, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And he's, he's, he's not just saying like, go judging everybody and everything else. He's seeing as the body, right? We need to know exactly what godly wisdom that comes from heaven is, right? Lest we platform something that is actually at war with the truth of the gospel and the truth of God that comes down from heaven and actually is coming from somewhere else. Would be dangerous, right? Because if you're a parent, like I was saying, you get really, really in a jam when your kids start coming in and quoting stuff and you're like, nah, that's, that's not real. That's not real. That's not okay. If you hold on to that too tight, it'll take you into a brick wall. You understand where I'm coming from? That's why this conversation is that important. Like, when you become a parent, when you are raising kids, you get into this place where you are just like, you get crazy about stuff. I get mad at my kids, whatever, at their age, I was robbing and stealing. They don't even have to do that. They watch a cartoon, I'm like, you shouldn't be watching SpongeBob. He will destroy your whole life. You get what I'm saying? With tears. And it's not even that serious. Just because I heard the wrong joke. But it's that fear of like, I don't like what my man was telling you was okay to do right here. You get where I'm coming from? I'm sorry for all y'all who love SpongeBob or whatever, you know. Relax. Don't take it out on me. It's all good. Verse 14, he says this. 
He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Strong word. We're talking about wisdom. We usually just think of wisdom as something cute and like, yeah, you know, wisdom and everything else. And, and, and we put it on, you know, our memes and encourage people with that and, and everything else, whatever. But like he is saying that this is actually so serious or whatever. He says it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic when it doesn't come from above, right? Let's look at these words or whatever. Bitter jealousy, envying. Some texts say envy, and they exchange the words here with strife. But bitterness is anger, is disappointment at being treated unfairly, resentment, exhibiting intense animosity. Selfishness is like arising from concern of one's own welfare or advantage and disregard of others. It's already trampling, just by definition, it's already trampling underfoot one of the pillars of the gospel that tells us to actually love our neighbor as ourselves. Do you get where I'm coming from? So when you systematically think about the body of, of Christ, or you think about relationships, this one-on-one in your marriage or whatever, or in your friendships or anything like that, well, if selfishness is there, it means that everybody around you is just getting used for your own purpose. Do you get where I'm coming from? The word has a lot of power to do damage, and, and, and James is concerned about that. Ambition. Selfish ambition, he puts that together. A desire for rank, fame, or power. Desire to achieve a particular end. If you have bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your hearts, he makes a statement, do not boast and be false to the truth, right? I want to read something to you. It's Matthew 18. It's kind of long. I'm going to read it to you or whatever. It says the parable, it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Hit your neighbor real quick right there. I don't know if I've ever forgiven somebody 77 times. I fight getting through one time sometimes, all right? And it says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, listen to this part right here. He says, you wicked servant, I forgot, you, he said, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should, you, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? 
and in, his, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You may ask like, okay, I hear the text. Why'd you go to that text? The reason I'm going to this text is because when you hear this thing, what you, can, what you would typically hear is this idea of like, I should forgive. The same way the text that we're covering in James, you'll hear like, okay, I need to walk around and actually have wisdom. And you begin to think about the work of doing wisdom and what that is and quantifying all the things that you think wisdom actually holds in it. And you'll actually miss the point of what James is actually telling them the same way you would miss it with this text. He says, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? The problem here is forget, forgetfulness, right? It's forgetfulness. It's forgetfulness of the debt that was forgiven of him, right? His work was not to go out and be merciful. His, his work was to remember the mercy he received. Y'all get where I'm coming from? That's what the king's, that's what the king's issue was, with him was. I forgave you all that debt. And you, you were forgetful of it. You would think that you would actually be merciful and you would remember the mercy I actually had on you. So the problem is that James is trying to actually pinpoint for us when he's talking about people who have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, which is all of us, it's a forgetfulness problem. It's where we've actually forgot the truth of the gospel. We've forgotten that our sins were actually paid for, right? That our debt was actually wiped clean, that we were made innocent, and Christ actually paid the cost for that. You understand where I'm coming from? So like I'm not talking to you today about working to have wisdom. I'm talking to you about working to remember the power uh, that God has given us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which sets us free to actually love our brothers and sisters, which sets us free to actually be foot washers. You understand where I'm coming from? Y'all awake? Hit your neighbor and say, are you awake? It's important. I want y'all to hear this. Because I feel like James also, I feel like James or whatever, in the way he's delivering this, like, like this, this, this text landed on me and hit me right in my head and my heart when I'm, I'm going through it and I'm still working through some of it. But man, I'm like, God, this is so important for us. It's so important for us to actually guard our hearts and, and, and distinguish between earthly wisdom and wisdom that comes from above. It's important. And the only way we can do that is hugging on the vine, right? He says to them, do not boast and be false to the truth. What's beautiful about this is that James is actually saying this whole thing as encouragement and not condemnation. He's speaking as somebody who is actually a shepherd. It's the same way we talk to our kids and we say, hey, this isn't what is good for you. This isn't the way that you should go, right? It's not unlikely that they would feel it. We've all been in their place also. And we feel it as well and we've wanted to do our own thing. We've done crazy things and by God's grace, we've actually made it through and surviving and, and whatever that may be or whatever. But like James is taking on that posture like, hey, listen, 
We're called to be people that distinguish truth versus lies, right? So he's imploring them to step into that. He's saying, don't, do not boast and be false to the truth. In other words, don't play wise, don't platform yourself, don't trample the truth of Christ for a lie if you know that your heart is contending with selfish ambition and strife, right? You're reading from 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone, if anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Think about it for a second. When you come to Christ, right? When Christ saves us, he gives us power to actually, he actually puts this thing in us where we actually become zealous for good works, right? I don't know about you, I told you before, me and my boys used to have this phrase. We used to say, yo, we up in here like a pack of demons, right? And I just, it used to be my phrase because I was fully aware that what we were doing was demonic. I didn't feel like calling it something else. It wasn't God's work, it was the devil's work. Why we, like, let's not play with that. But then all of a sudden, when Christ came and saved me, this thing started happening where, like, the things I used to do were grieving me. You understand where I'm coming from? And I actually started reading the Bible like I was out of my mind because I was just like, oh my God, I didn't know this was in here. This is crazy. And I was just like going insane with it. And I wanted to know what the will of God was, right? I wanted to know like who God was, like his word is like, it's, 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 it's Christ. He like, the word became flesh. And I'm just like, I'm reading it and I'm eating the text. I'm eating the text because Everything I've ever touched, all I'm doing is destroying it. And it's the case with all of us. This, 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 this conversation of wisdom is one of these things where, like, we're kind of open-handed with often or whatever, and we're just like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, yeah, we all need to be wise. Cool. James is like, nah, you don't get it. You don't get it. He says you can destroy thinking you're cute. Become a fool. That's the gift God gives us where he allows us to become a fool and lay down all of our worldly wisdom and submit it to his authority and go, God, what's, what's your will, right? Through our intimacy with the Father, he begins to direct our paths, right? We were talking about in the back, and Kev was talking about, like, you know, there's a thing right now where everybody's like, yo, speak your truth. You ever heard somebody say that before? Everybody's like, speak your truth. It's very important that we know that we're not everybody. Redeemed, we were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. There's only one truth for us. God's word says, let God be true in every man a liar. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, not because of any works that we have done, not because we're smarter than anybody. God has given us wisdom because he's given us his son, right? The other day, um, me and Jen um, Vertrov were teaching a, cl a class on racial reconciliation at um, JU. And the conversation, we had a very diverse room. The conversation got really heavy, right? It got really heavy. People were just like going into some of their experiences and it was just, it was just weighty to hear people talk, right? It was beautiful, 
felt like the Holy Spirit was having people walk into the light for sure and just talking about race and everything else. And like in the middle of it, I felt this need to bring clarity to what was happening in the room. And the reason I felt the need to bring clarity is because the topics we were covering in the room, the hurt that people had endured, the hurt their families had endured in this country were so sharp and painful that talking about mercy and love didn't make any type of carnal sense. Y'all get where I'm coming from? It, it, it felt like we should be sitting at the table at war. It felt like we should all pull our knives and guns out and just have it on out. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like in the flesh. It felt like this actually is what makes sense at this point, right? And so I had to remind everybody, this is, this is abnormal for us to be sitting in here talking about these things and leaning into reconciliation. And I had to remind everybody, like, this is a work of the Holy Spirit that nobody in this room can take credit for. Do you get where I'm coming from? Like, sometimes, as, sometimes you have to personally clarify, you have to grab onto this thing that you are actually a misfit because you're a believer and follower of Christ. You have to draw that line, right? Because the world will call you a fool, right? When they're saying cut heads off and you're actually talking about forgiveness, they're going to call you a fool. And in the flesh, you'll feel like a fool. But when we look at the, when we remember the debt that was paid, it changes the scenario. You get where I'm coming from? That's why everything that flows out of this comes from above. It's in Jesus Christ. It's our source. Nothing else actually makes any sense. Are y'all with me? All right. Is this good news for you? All right. Y'all can say a little, say, we need an organ play up in here or whatever. All right. So we had to clarify. We had to clarify. I had to remind everybody in the room. We're believers. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. We're empowered for this conversation. We're empowered for this conversation. Right? We were once enemies of God. God reconciled us to Him. We can be reconciled even as enemies. Right? We do this thing in, in our culture where we are willing to trample over truth, right? And James is saying, believers, make sure you understand what it is and what it isn't. Make sure you understand what it is and what it isn't. If it doesn't flow out of the heart of, out of Christ, if it doesn't flow out of the gospel, if it doesn't flow out of your sins being covered, if it doesn't flow out of your debts being paid for and it feels like resentment and anger do not be false to the truth and here's the thing we all walk in this you ever have, you ever have a situation with somebody like a little bit of a um, you have a riff with somebody you're upset with them 
and you say to yourself, you know what, God, I need you to deal with my heart before we have this conversation. You ever been in that place before? Because what you're doing, you're actually taking stock in the moment. You're going, God, my heart doesn't feel like it's right. I feel distant from you in this. I actually feel like my flesh is actually, I feel wiser than you in this moment, right? I know sometimes when we get into arguments or whatever, me and Lionel get in an argument, I can be upset and I'll feel like, I'm just trying to be right. I don't care about the truth. In the moment, I'm willing to trample truth because I have a selfish ambition to not be caught being wrong or I just want to be right in the moment. Y'all ever been there before? Some of y'all see your wives hitting you in the ribs. Don't, don't, you know. Selfish ambition. It's strife. It undermines truth. That's, what, that's what's on the line here. That's what James is saying for them, right? He's saying this is really important. This is what God will have of us, right? This is what God wants to do through you. I had a friend the other day, I was talking to him because um, he was having a fallout with his mentor, right? He was having a fallout with his mentor, and he called me, um, and he said, yo, Jay, he said, listen, I'm, I'm in a situation, I've had this mentor I've been rolling with for years or whatever. The dude's very, he's just like, you know, he's older, I always kind of submit, let him kind of lead me, guide me on some things or whatever. And he said, he said, man, but lately I've been feeling some ways, and when I try to talk to him about it, we can't have the conversation. I said, well, what's, what's, what's my man's situation? He said, yo, he's angry, he's disrespectful, and he said, and he even gets to the point, he said, when I try to even bring scriptures into the conversation, he's like, man, miss me with all that. And I'm like, homie, you got a problem. He has a problem. He's doing exactly what this text says right here. It's being false to the truth, right? The truth is being trampled underfoot for his selfish ambition in the moment. And so in this text, he says, this is not the wisdom that comes from above, but this is earthly, unspiritual, and it's demonic. In verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vow practice. That's what flows out of our hearts when we platform this space, right? We have God's grace. God is sanctifying us. This is some of the stuff he's actually sanctifying from us. This will show up in our relationships. It will show up in our hearts from day to day, throughout the day, throughout your thoughts. What he's saying is, do not take that and lift it up over truth, right? We bring it into the light. We bring it into the light, and God purifies us, and he cleanses us, and he's already promised us that condemnation is not ours, and our sins are wiped away, so we're actually free to actually walk into the light and say, hey, God, I'm feeling a little messy right now in my heart. I'm actually harboring some things. I'm holding some things. Y'all get where I'm coming from? But he's, James is saying, don't take that and put it up on the stage and make truth small. I just, I just want you to get that. It's not that you won't feel that. That thing is at war with God, right? He's saying don't, don't platform it. So when you think about it and you think about churches, look at it, it says disorder and vow practice. When you think about churches and when people say, you know, they ask like, what's wrong with churches or whatever, a piece of the answer is right here in this text. When people talk about what's right about a church, a piece of that answer is gonna be in verse 17. 
says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And verse 18 says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is what God is doing through his people. It's what he's doing through his people. James 1 says this right here. He's just going back through the body of James, and you can see that there's a common theme that he keeps on pushing through. But he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James preaches some hard do's and some hard don'ts and all of these different things, but he always is pointing us back to the Father. He's always pointing us back to Jesus as our source, right? Our source of empowerment. Like, we don't have it in us to even want to do what's right. What we actually call right will actually end up being wrong outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's the curse of the flesh, it's what, it's what it is for all of us. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. So on our best day, when we are trying to conjure up goodness in our mind, it ends up being hateful to the Father and trampling him underfoot or ends up being hateful to our neighbor. Do you all get where I'm coming from? Do you identify with that in your heart? This is why he says become a fool. He says become a fool, that you can become wise because he's, he's saying I've given you power through Christ Jesus to get your hands off of your reputation and your credibility and your clout and being worried about what everybody else thinks, right? I'm giving you power to unclutch your hands off of selfish ambition and trust me with your life, right? Because the wisdom that is earthly and unspiritual and demonic, it shakes its fist at God and says that he's actually not the way, the truth, and the light. It says that we are. You understand? That's what the submission is like. It actually says, it says that, God, I got this. I know the way. I know the truth. I know the light. And we have a, and, and we have a big problem on our hands when God has been reduced to a lucky charm for us. You understand? Proverbs 13 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For us, wisdom from above actually sometimes will set us in conflict with what the world calls common sense, right? That's what share your truth is. There is this thing that it's a moving target where there is a common sense in the world that actually ends up opposing the truth of the Father. We believe we perceive, we believe we understand, we believe we can actually judge properly, but truth is not ours outside of Jesus, right? There's 1 Corinthians 3, this word is used by Paul, and he talks, he's, 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 he's talking to the Corinthians, and he uses the phrase, merely human. 
He says to them, you're acting as mere humans. Just think about that for a minute. He's basically telling them like you are functioning in your flesh and you're not functioning under the power of God, right? He's making a distinction for them in that moment like, hey, this is not wisdom that comes from heaven. This is not truth that's born out of the cross and born out of Jesus. You're actually moving in this other thing that is carnal. So the results are carnal. It's division. It's disorder. Titus 2.11 says this. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. I want you all to hear this. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So the salvation doesn't come outside of the grace of God, the gift of God. It's appeared unto us as a gift. If you're a believer, follower of Jesus Christ, it's because God has gifted you with salvation. And it says training us, the grace is training us, right? The grace of God in Jesus is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Verse 13 says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us all from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. When you read this text right here, what's amazing about it is that this training, this renouncing ungodliness, and worldly passions, and living a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in light of the present age wisdom, but in a wisdom that actually comes from above, he points you directly to the grace of God. He doesn't point you to work harder. He doesn't point you to you need to stop hanging around with everybody else. He doesn't give you a list of rules and things to do in this text. He points you to bathing yourself in the grace of God. What does that look like? It's about to look like communion we're about to take in a minute, right? We take communion every week and we do it to remember what God has done for us. We break the bread because his body was broken for our sins, right? We drink because of the blood that was shed, right? It's that our debts were removed and often, you know, when we have like, you know, when we, it's like when you go in a grocery store and something, your kids break a, you know, jar of jelly or something. And they're like, hey, don't worry about it. Cool. It didn't cost you anything. But it actually costs that store something. You get where I'm coming from? And so the reason we come to the table is because we remember that the, our righteousness, our righteousness was actually paid for and it was a bloody, Brutal payment. That's what we're remembering. That's where our wisdom is at. It's in that payment where our wisdom actually lies, right? It's the, it's, the, it's the wisdom that comes from above that actually produces love in our heart. It actually produces fruit. This is us getting close to the vine and being connected to the vine because we can't bear fruit apart from the vine. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So our work as a believer is believing in the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where we find our work at because it just produces the fruit. You get where I'm coming from? The 
the grace of God. All of us. Without God's grace, all we're going to ever know is bitterness and strife. It's what it is. We have no capability of pushing, of, of producing anything else. But here's the thing, even as a believer, when you stumble and you fall, the good news and the freedom that we get to relish in and, 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 and why we lift up high praises is because he's actually made us perfect already, right? He's actually promised to sanctify us an ongoing process where he is bringing, you know, truth through the gospel. That's what James is doing here. These are people who are believers, right? And he's actually bringing this thing to them, and he's helping them in their sanctification and growing, and he's feeding the zealousness they have for good works to want to glorify God, right? He's feeding that. But even if they are missing this, righteousness is theirs. They're in a process. You get where I'm coming from? We don't have to look at these kind of texts and feel like we're losing. We've already won through Christ Jesus. He's already done it for us. He's already fulfilled this whole entire scripture. While we're reading this scripture, it's already been answered and responded to in the death of Jesus Christ. I don't know what y'all talk. Y'all need to, I'm about to throw something here. Do you hear that? Christ has already fulfilled this entire text on your behalf. He's, he is perfect wisdom. He satisfied perfect wisdom. It doesn't exist outside of him. And you actually get that credibility as a follower of Jesus Christ. And we are patiently waiting, just like it says, waiting for our blessed hope in the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. One day we will be perfected. And these things that offset our flesh at times or whatever, we won't deal with them. They'll be cast into forgetfulness forever, right? And we won't deal with them in our physical. But spiritually right now, you're actually made perfect through the power of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for today. Because I don't know about you, but all I know how to do is destroy. That's it. Outside of God, there's no marriage, there's no family, there's no nothing. I'll destroy it all. You understand where I'm coming from? So, like, I don't know where you're at, but when you think for a minute and you quantify what wisdom is, and if you actually look in the mirror for a minute and actually see yourself outside of God, I, that's a horror story for me. It's a horror story. It's a horror story. So, God, by his grace, we're saved. We're made clean, right? We're going to remember it. We're about to take, worship team, you can come on up. We're about to take communion. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. Let this be you remembering right now. If you hear this text today and you're like, God, I, I do get caught up. I watch Facebook and Instagram and all these different quotes and everything, and they sound cute and all that, but like, they don't produce love. Some of them are like, go get it. And all it makes me think about is like, I don't got time for everybody else. I got to do me and get me and everything else. And it's like, it's a worldly wisdom. Like it's a worldly wisdom, and you actually feel that and you know that. Well, when you come to take communion today, lavish in the fact that God has already satisfied that for you, right? Grab that. Let that actually touch your heart, right? Let that actually, let God, let the Holy Spirit do a work inside of you as you're taking communion. His body was broken for that. His blood shed for that. If you're in here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, if you don't know who he is, 
The bad news is this right here. Your life is condemned to strife and all of these different things, and they will have their way with you. And you can't, if you hear this and you're like, I can fix that, I can work, no, you can't satisfy that. You can't satisfy that. But, but Christ died for your sins. And you're here today for a reason, and you can meet him today, right? So we're going to be in the front, and we're going to be, like, after, you know, while we're doing communion, you can come up and somebody will pray for you. If God, you feel like God, like the, like the Spirit is actually touching your heart, and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I just feel weird right now. Come up and let us pray with you. Let us talk to you, right? We ain't trying to pull any cheap tricks on you or whatever. We're not going to make you jump around and run around the room that crazy. We just want to speak to you. We want to extend the same mercy that was given to all of us, right? So, all right, church, I love you. Let me pray really quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness, Father. God, we thank you, Father, for pointing us to your son, Jesus, Father.